I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. In this session at the DevOps Lunch and Learn, we talk about secrets management and we really get into the details of what we're managing, how we're managing, how the process works and how to do it right. And what are, are the alternatives? So if you are trying to understand how secrets management works and a whole bunch of different scenarios where it can be applied and where it can go wrong, this is a great podcast for you. Um, really get down in the weeds and really talk about specifics, and I am confident that you will enjoy it. The topic of the day um, is secrets management. And uh, from that perspective, it's a good place to start is to talk about this Travis secrets uh, challenge. Cause I think some of there's, there's simple, like, how do I inject secrets into things? And then there's also the, how do I share secrets um, between the services that I'm using and service providers that I'm using in a, in a way. Um, and then what do I do when those secrets are exposed? Um, so if we, I think, I think we'll get there, we'll, we'll get to the, the simple secrets management. If we start sort of with, with what happened with Travis and why, why they had secrets. Um, boy, um, I'm happy to frame it up. Does anybody want to take a stab at it? Well, sometimes you're good at, at pulling <laughs> it together. Well, we, we can start with the, with your latest question, like why did they have secrets? Um, your CI needs secrets to, to access uh, your, your repository at the very least. Um, sometimes uh, if you do, if you bundle CD into that, you also need secrets to access your infrastructure and, and deploy things, even if, if it's just to the like this staging environment. Uh, so it's understandable that you need to put secrets in into your CI. Um, I guess the discussion is going to be more about uh, how much trust can you put into your CI to keep your secrets well secret. Um, right. The the thing the thing that I because we didn't I mean I <laughs> up until a couple of years ago we didn't talk much about secrets management. And and all of a sudden, Vault sort of burst on the scene with this. The the idea that I have a process running, um, and it needs to, it has to have access to information that it you know doesn't normally have, or I I, I don't want to just inject. Actually, that's exactly what's happening. So in the in the credentials case, you're literally building a process, and it says I need access to um, another service. And I, you know, that access token is a secret because you don't want to just publish it. It's not wide open for reads and writes. Um, and so it, you have to be able to give a third party trust or another service trust. I mean, uh, the other example that I would think through back in the day, we used to build config files with our database passwords in it so that you could connect to the database. Ideally, you would, on the database side, you would say, I'm going to, I'm expecting a connection from this place. And you would limit those that access, but... But you still get that. Have... For, for example, Prometheus has no way of, of grabbing credentials from environment variables. It has to be in a config file. Oh, right. So you, so does secrets management basically say, we're not going to stuff things in config files anymore? We're going to turn that into a service? Or would you include the config file as part of the secrets management problem? Um. I mean, the, the config file is a fundamental problem in that your secrets should really not be coupled to your config. You should be able to rotate your secrets without updating your config. Uh, and this is one of the things mm -hmm. that Kuhn is, I, I believe, did right, is yeah. that uh, secrets are a separate thing from config maps. You can put config maps in secrets, it's not really ideal, uh, and Kubernetes tries really hard to discourage you from, from doing that. Uh, you can, of course, put secrets in, in, in your config map, and, and I mean, then it won't be secret anymore. Uh, but for the most part, uh, cloud-native applications, uh, you, you configure them to 
to either get in secrets via environment variables or via via mounted secrets, um, at least in, in Kubernetes. Um, I, I'm particularly fond of the, um, the way Bitnami configures their Helm charts and, and that uh, for most applications, uh, they can, they, you can use the, the default chart configuration, which will, will create a arbitrary random password, or you can point it to a secret. Uh, and tell it, I am providing the, these credentials out of the band. Just look here for 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 the information. Um, right. Yeah, but but yeah. So 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 going back to the differential thing is, uh, we are I, I I believe in a state of flux with secret management, where. Again, this is similar to to how we're transitioning from uh, from like golden images to, to now containers and and then back and forth with that. That that with secrets management, uh, it used to be you you create your secret and then this is your treasure you store it away forever, uh, and and God help you if uh, if if it gets exposed to what Vault is enabling now, which is uh, like short-lived secrets uh, to you. And, and you also got, got um, we shouldn't forget like things like Arbuck and, and IAM where, where you do basically credential-less. You, you, you permission the infrastructure instead of granting uh, a particular credential that, that can be leaked and used somewhere else. And I shut up now to give someone else time to talk. Yeah, no, it's. I'll I'll leave I'll leave space for somebody else if they want to jump in. I mean, it, the decoupling is 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 important because. So I usually don't think of it as part of like a rotation. I think of it as part of just the way we're shipping code. You're right that like in Kubernetes, it's like, here's my container. I don't put credentials in that. I need to inject the credentials into it. Um, and Kubernetes uh, or Docker at least had a problem where pushing config, some of this comes back to 12 factor config too, doesn't it? Um, where we're pushing config, through, you, know, you don't want to push configuration into that container. It's actually on a public bus. You need a way, um, right? Because Containers would leak uh, all of the configuration settings that you would pass into those containers were basically exposed to other containers in Docker. Um, part of what I remember being the problem with this. So you, you wouldn't, you didn't want to say, oh, here's my container start. By the way, here is the, you know, credentials to attach to my database in that container in the container start. You would have to bootstrap it and say, here is the, you know, access to my database or to my uh, store uh, when that container started. Uh, yeah. So, so I mean, if 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 you're talking about what, what I think you're talking about, that the issue was that environment variables between inside a container were not as isolated to the container as they were expected to be. That's right. Um, I mean, th that is ultimately a flaw in in the design of, of Docker, which, to my knowledge, got <laughs> got amended. Um, the I mean, using uh, and, and, and Docker got. God has uh, a, a new method of, of providing secrets. I, I, I forgot exactly what it is, but uh, it's, yeah. it's basically like a parameterized uh, option to say, like, this is a secret, keep it as isolated as possible. Uh, ultimately, you, you're still passing in parameters. That's right. Uh, or, or environment variables. Uh, and as far as, the, or as far as the application inside the container is concerned, it it sees it as a, as an environment variable or as a file in, in the case of Kubernetes uh, optionally, 
Um, there's not really many other options for that. You have you have to you absolutely have to have it right. There is no there is no alternative from that perspective. Uh, with, um, with with the possible exception again uh, with with things like um, uh, workload identity in in in, in, uh, in Google Platform or the, or the equivalent in in, in AWS, where where again you in, instead of you, know, you still have an environment variable. But that only gives you your tells the application that this is its identity, and then the permissioning is being done again via IAM on 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 RBAC. Uh, so, but that requires that the the platform uh, know uh, be aware of the infrastructure, uh, and that leads us down the hybrid cloud rabbit hole. Right. Well, I, I like the I like the idea of the infrastructure maintaining the secrets more than having, as you say, that hybrid where the 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 code actually needs to know something about the infrastructure. But I mean, if, in order to get in order to get the passwordless sort of seamless thing that we want. It's almost like back when you had the, the 56K modems, right? The, the, the far end, the thing that you're connecting to needs to know about the infrastructure in order to be able to, to roll those credentials kind of at will and, yeah. and inject them into the running, uh, almost a session variable, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, you are locking yourself in to that cloud provider in order to to take advantage of that feature. Right. Well, in a in a way, you are in a way you aren't. Right. If you're counting on variable injection to get the secrets, could you do? Couldn't you do that consistently regardless of the provider? In some ways, you're reducing the coupling. I guess that's part of the Kubernetes story there, right? It's like, oh, okay, I have a standard way to get this information. But he, 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 here, confused about secrets, yeah. He, here I, we were talking specifically about workload identity. So basically, uh, uh, the, the, right. the idea of a, of a secretless approach would say, would say, okay, I have, uh, I have this database that I created on on an Azure. And I have this VM that I created in Azure, and I and I have this uh, this IAM role that tells me that uh, that a VM with with this particular service account bound to it is allowed to connect to to this database and, and interact with it. This only works if the the cloud platform is aware of the like is is managing the database is managing the VM. And it is managed, and is where you store the IAM rules. Uh, if you take any of those components out of the your cloud platform, like if you, if you try to do like um, like Azure and AWS, then that breaks down. Unless you start doing things like hybrid cloud uh, and treating like treating your AWS uh, instances. As uh, so basically edge uh, compute nodes for Azure, but but then again that that is that is for going secretless, um, which again is is it's its own longer discussion. Um, I don't know if we want to if we want to continue going down that route or or go back to actual yeah, topic my, my, with secret my, management. My, my first, my first thought is the secret management piece because, right? I mean, this is what you're describing as part of the thing that's tricky is uh, if we pull back to secret management, somewhere you have someplace you're storing the secrets. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're saying, all right, this application I have running has to have access to some other thing and, and that's you know restricted. So I have a secret that gives me access to it. Yeah. Um, and since the application doesn't contain that and it can't necessarily be passed in or doesn't it's not really part of the configuration it's it's separate 
from that. Then um, we we have a the dilemma of saying, all right, I need this app. You know, this application has to be able to ask for the secrets from another application. Is sort of the dilemma here, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you're you're dealing with identity management, okay. um, like uh, authorization uh, uh, uh. accounting. Um, so 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 it, it boils down to you need to have a secret to to <laughs> identify your your client. Uh, oh, okay. or, I mean, at least one secret, if not more. Uh, and you you can you can store your secret in, in, in Vault, but your application still needs to have a, a Vault access token. Um, yes. Now, and, that, and and but if anybody has that Vault, yes, you know, and this is I guess where my question comes in. If anybody has that Vault access token, can they then open your Vault and get access to it? You're going to have to restrict what that token can see. And really, from where it can be seen, yeah. right? And yeah, and, and that depends essentially on, on how you you configure your your vault. Like uh, if you if you if you use um, again like zero trust or, or or something similar to that, you can you can configure vault to or at least your your vault proxy to to say. Uh, this token is only allowed to connect from these sources, kind of thing. Um, depending on where your tool resides that, that uses those tokens, that may or may not be sufficiently secure. Like if, if you control the, the source address, then that is arguably su sufficiently secure. Uh, if if your source address is However, let's say um, in 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 a SaaS uh, uh, CI pipeline like Travis or Circle CI or or, or, or GitLab uh, GitLab uh, like the cloud one or, or GitHub, where they may have a pool of nodes, and you essentially need to need to whitelist like a, like a, a whole subnet that is less secure. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I see a lot of the 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 work being done, and a lot of the benefit of Vault is that the the they basically say, okay, we we realize that it is going to be impossible to keep uh, our our secret tokens secret. Um, so what can we? So what That's can we do yeah. to, to to mitigate the fallout the fallout from that token being uh, lost or or or, 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 or leaked? Um, so you you go down to strategies like short lived tokens, um, and and, uh, and like layers of encryption, and, and again zero trust. So it's a, it's a, it's a uh, big rabbit yeah. hole, and it's um, it's a, it's a huge it's a huge rabbit hole, and, it, and in some ways it's impressive that it works. Yeah, um, yeah. Right? And, and I mean it's better than having a, a you know you know back all the way to the it's than having a password sitting in a config file for anybody to take. So it, you know basically what we've done instead is we've said, um, and this is this is good because it's like I've known a whole bunch of this stuff, but I haven't connected it together the way we're connecting it. So I'm I'm trying to go slow. Is that what we're saying is all right? I'm going to start an application. That application needs a secret. That's that's straightforward. And we're going to put all the secrets in a protected area, a vault or the or vault from HashiCorp, one of the others. And so the application has to say, all right, I'm going to go get that secret when it starts or when it needs it. And the challenge is it's going to be, it, it doesn't have an, you have this, this bootstrapping problem. So you give it a token that says, hey, you can use this token to get the secret, but we don't want that token to just be, maybe this is sort of what happened with uh, Travis that we're talking about. We put in a token that says you can access my secret, my, my, the secret store and get the information you need. But anybody using that token could actually get the secret. Now you're, you've, you've basically 
published your secret yeah. from that perspective. Yeah. So, right. so when we when we create the token, we need to either restrict the token. So, hey, if it leaks, it leaks for a short period of time. Or better, we say this token is is issued only to a machine coming from this IP address or right in my in my private network zone or with some other information that's hard to get. Is that yeah. fair? Uh, yeah, and, and, and the third one also is that the, the token is only allowed to access certain secrets. And it's, it's not allowed to have feathered access. Yeah, yeah, the scope management. So, so I mean, this, this also ties in this essentially with, with what we were discussing in previous weeks with, with SSL certs on, 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 mm-hmm. on trust. Like, how far does your trust go? Uh, how 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 far do you trust uh, external services to to keep your secrets secret, like if you trust them at all? Um, uh, and, and outside, question, yeah. yeah. And and outside of that, also like another benefit of, of services like like Vault is that you start getting analytics as to how your tokens are being used. Uh, like if you configure a, mm-hmm. a token that has that is allowed to, to connect from a subnet, uh, which which you have to because say they use a cloud provider, it's fine. Um, uh, but your 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 logs tell you that this uh, this token is being used only from one address at a time. If you start seeing the token being used back and forth from from multiple addresses, that's a red flag. If you see your your token, um, if you see your token being used more often than it should be, that's a red flag. Um, but like ultimately, that that is that is difficult to to. <laughs> To, to check for, um, but when you when you use a a, a secret management tool like Bolt, uh, that is what you're enabling ultimately. Right. Um, but to my knowledge, Bolt doesn't have. I, mean, I haven't heard of any secret management tool that has that like that type of of diagnostic. I mean, maybe they have it in the log, but it's not a. You, you, you could configure it to say short-lived tokens from these, you know, restricted, uh, restricted accounts. But actually telling you, hey, there's a potential. That's an that's a machine learning problem, really. That, that is a machine learning problem. And yeah, so you don't get that out of the box with your with your secret manager. You 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 have to add on top of that from based on 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 the the met, the, the analytics you get out of your um your secret manager okay uh, and and of course the that the, the downside of, of using that is that you're putting all of your secret eggs in in a basket it's it's a very hardened basket uh but if your vault goes away you 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 lose the keys to to the kingdom uh, if your if your if your vault is compromised, you lose the like you the keys of the kingdom end up in, in anyone's oh, hands. Yeah, well, the the benefit the benefit would be if you if you think your vault is compromised, then you have at least a central a place to quickly rotate all that information and update it. Yes. So at least yes. at least you at least you can come back, and this is probably just best practice anyways. You're going to assume that if once you're using vault. Or, or a secret manager, part of the discipline for that is to say, I'm going to be, I'm going to rotate my, my secrets in these systems and not just leave it out there. Cause at that point you've, you've really not protected yourself as much. So yeah, rotation yeah. should be the minimum. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it does not eliminate risk, but it gives you a single point that you can observe for uh, risky uh, metrics. Yeah, it's funny because the first time when we were talking about Vault, right, we spent a lot of time on the 
it takes three people like you have you, you build a key and you, you have like seven parts to it and you need three parts to, to open the vault um and and i got very fixated on like what it took people to open the vault and i didn't spend the time that we're spending now on machine access to the vault um which strikes me as the actually the more important thing to consider yeah That's i mean that the, the, that is there's two components there the, the, to the vault so the, the the people is it's necessary only for cold start so so let, let, let's say mm. let's say you 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 back up your vault regularly uh, and and your vault cluster dies in a fire because let, let's say the, the data center died in a fire that like happened in, in France last year <laughs> right. um I mean you, you, you you restore your backup you you start your vault that's where you need those three people to put in their key to to say yeah this like we are the owners of the data store within Okay. Um, the the second part is once the 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 your vault is warmed up, uh, programmatic access uh, essentially uh, needs to be controlled, and, and that is what what we've been talking about previously yeah. today. Which which I think is to me part of the part that's not particularly well discussed or well understood is is how do you you pull all those pieces together? Um, it. It's uh, it's it's something that's in flux. I mean that there's hmm. we 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 know good practices from twenty years ago. Um, um for the most part, yeah. we still stick to that. Uh, but we know we know today that those good practices from twenty years ago are insufficient now, uh, and that that they were probably that we should probably have done different. Like look look at those that look at the password. Hiring guidelines and, and how uh, NIST did, did, did a complete change on 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 that, uh, but we still have the the that inertia where 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 many organizations still require uh, archaic password composition rules, uh, which yeah. sure they, they harden that specific password, but they weaken the <laughs> process. Uh, and, right. and this is the re revolution that we're seeing now with with with, with secret stores is, is that we we are we are realizing that the the process has been flawed, like the, the like the, the treating a secret as being this unviolable uh, component that 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 should should never that assumption is that it it never gets leaked. We know now because over the past decade or so, we've seen it happen over and over again that it is practically impossible to keep us a secret secret. So, so mm. we're we're shifting our effort towards mitigation as opposed to prevention. Do you think that something like a two-factor auth strategy would potentially be realistic, or even from a app like you're you're talking about passwords makes me think about you know instead of just giving somebody a token like password and saying hey here now you have access to the the system it almost makes sense to me to to do a two-factor auth to say all right my application started i i have you know a secret here's my token looks like i'm good but i'm going to send you something through the front door to say yeah you need to also tell me that you've you know that you got my token when i sent it the way i was expecting to to complete that transaction you just describe public key <laughs> everything <laughs> old is new again oh. well i mean it's 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 a it's not a new dilemma it's it's a matter of us yeah. putting that stuff putting that stuff in. I mean, this is yeah. like when we were, we were building the, like we, for rebar, what we, we ended up, we have a secure parameter concept um, that stores it encrypted in the back end. But, you know, if you have credentials, you can get that secret. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. But then um, going, going back to the question about like 2FA. Uh, um, yeah. Please. So that we also have uh, HSM, like a hardware security modules. 
which mm-hmm. essentially ties your ability to de- do decrypt the token, like the, to do the, the decryption of the token when it's called uh, to specific hardware. So, so that even if your token is leaked uh, uh, and, and the attacker takes it to some other cloud platform, they won't be able to use it because they don't have the HSM. I, and I think the HSM, if people were using them more widely, would be a huge benefit from that perspective. Then you could you could actually certify that you're running on the systems you think you're running on, yeah. um, which is much better than using IP address as a validation for even if you're just like, okay, tell me you know some unique identifier from the HSM. Even you know, be better to sign something and then use the public private key system to validate. But even just saying, oh yeah, I know this special information about the HSM, that's in itself useful. Yeah. Now the, the downside on to that is that hmm. um, you, your HSM becomes a snowflake. Uh, so you need to that's have the infrastructure in place to, to, to say, let, let's say your HSM dies and, and, you, and, and you need to oh. replace it. You, you need to have the ability to, to, to re-sign your, your keys against a new HSM. And again, that that is oh, where, yeah. where no, if, back to, to the, tools like Vault that that would uh, enable you to do that. Uh, you um, still have to know the systems that you're installed on to to do that, right? Yeah. And that's the, the you. There's a degree with what we're describing of registering the environment, knowing enough about the environment that the secret requester is operating in to trust that the secret request, I mean, this is really what we're, all right, so so I'm I'm making something more complex than it needs to be. Basically, we're saying, hey, I'm going to make a request for my secrets. Here's my token that gives me access to it. And we're saying, all right, yay, that's not that much different than a password. Um, How do we make sure that that request has additional metadata so that we can, we're confident that the requester is legitimate? Yeah. Right, sure. Uh, uh, I mean, token expire quickly. Yeah, I mean, this is also like a back and forth. Like, you you could virtualize your HSM, in, in which case, well, you have to guard your HSM. Uh, so, so it, it it's not it's not a black and white. It, it's a sliding scale. Like, at at what point is the the security theater good enough for you? <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, and and, and yeah, it becomes yeah. a like a. A matter of risk management, like how how um, huh. how much is your data that you're that you're protecting worth uh, versus the cost, the, like the effort cost of of protecting it, and 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 you find the right balance uh, for that. Interesting. So let me let me back the Travis thing from that perspective then if in in Travis right to, to, to an extent I'm gonna take I'm gonna say things will leak all right so what we'll start we'll start from the idea that we're that that part of this is separating the secrets from the configuration file and moving it into a service but then the other part of it is just saying all right these things are going to get out how do we manage the risk so part of the whole Travis thing is not saying, hey, Travis, you guys are bums because you exposed you know, my secrets. Some of the answer becomes you should be able to rotate the secret right away or it should only have a 24-hour life or a 48-hour life. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that anybody does these things the right way, but um, you know, the somebody very least- was rotating. Yeah, go ahead. At, at the very least, what you should be able to do is say, uh, any artifacts that were created with the with the secret that was leaked are now invalidated, and and that's where where, where you can go back to again the discussion on SSL and, and certificate mm. revocation lists. Uh, the <laughs> the technology exists, we just don't use it yet because in many cases it's so obtuse that it it requires that that. And, and and it's used so infrequently yeah. that that we don't have sufficient uh, expertise spread out on, on it, well, um, or or it gets ignored. 
the certificate revocation, I think just like secret revocation, you're like, there's putting that, that back in the box seems really unlikely to me. I mean, the, the way I've, I've always thought about it in discussions is you better set your, your time to live on that secret or that certificate, you know, short so that you're like, if I'm trying to deal with revocation, it's, I only care within a week. And then after that, you know, it's, I, you know, I'm assuming that I'm ignoring everything that's, that's older. Yeah. Uh, it's an I, idealized world. Granted, yeah. but. Uh, actually, yeah, and this, this is a bit of an anecdote, but, but an, an example of, of a services company that I believe does secrets management correctly is Slack. Hmm. So, okay. so, so in, in Slack, you, you can, you, you can, you can create a token for your application to, to interact with Slack as, as a bot. Now, what Slack does is they scan GitHub public repos for <laughs> four okay. strings that, 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 are, that are inevitably those Slack access tokens, and they will immediately uh, revoke the, the ability of those tokens if they find a match. <laughs> I like it. That makes sense. Proactive defense. Discord um, does that also. I ran into that a few times on accident. <laughs> that makes it. I mean, that's on accident, huh? <laughs> yeah. Very easy. That's actually part of the whole secret management benefit is just having it so that you net, you know, you you reduce the risk of putting a configure configure information into a code repo. Uh, sorry, secret information into it. Config information might end up in the without your concern. Huh. So part of it is just like if you're doing this right, then you're going to create fingerprints that you can you can scan for and detect. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, the, the, this is not universally uh, applicable, but but it it goes again to to show that. You you cannot you cannot treat secrets in an isolated manner. You you have to do your analytics. You you, you have to 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 actively uh, search for for leaks if you're gonna do uh, proper prevention. You don't think just like setting your your time you know your time rotations down into the. You know, can can you get around that by making the, the time super short, like your Travis windows to be like, yeah, we're, you know, we only have, a, a, we only give Travis permissions for a day. Is that practical? I mean, my, my um, head says it's not practical. But. Um, yes and no. So, so ultimately, for example, with, with, if you, if you look at how Terraform interacts with Vault, uh, Terraform, uh, you, you give Terraform one access token to Vault, which um, which is permissioned to create a new token um, to to actually access the secrets, and and and, and that token's mm. uh, 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 lifetime is restricted. You still have the the, the original token that is, that, that is long term or. or Technically unrestricted, uh, but the original, but it it, it basically it, it, it's a degree of separation. It uh, it's not infallible because again, if your original token is, is leaked, it, it doesn't prevent uh, an, an attacker from from using it to to generate uh, subsequent tokens at us. But that's good. But, I mean, that that's good policy, right? I mean, that's like you take a password, you log in with the password, you get back a token, you you stop using the password. So you've limited your 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 window where the password is even on the wires. Yes. Then I, you have a token. That token is time limited also. And part of the, the contract with the token is it allows you to request a extension on the token yes. or a new token. Yeah. And it also means that Terraform uh, does not give the original token to its providers. It gives the the, se the second short-lived token to its providers. 
So if there's a supply okay. chain attack against the providers, like third-party providers that that require that that second token, um, the window in which it's effective is limited. That's awesome. Okay, but then to, to that work, you have to have something that respects the plumbing to say, I'm going to be able to create a secondary. And most systems, I, I know ours do, but you can create it. You can use the first token to create a more restricted token from that yeah. token. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that, that, that Vault is, is flawless. But but it's it's definitely helped the the community realize that there's better ways of managing access to to your systems. Right. But, the story of Vault is is amazing, right? This was this was it was an internal project by HashiCorp to solve a short term problem, and it really became the the revenue center for Hashi. So. Yeah. I mean, there are, of course, uh, people who don't want to use Vault. In some cases, because it because of dogmatic reasons, essentially. Like if you if you're set on using declarative configuration only, uh, Vault doesn't work because you're 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 basically getting that on demand, and that is where where things like SOPs come in or, 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 or sealed secrets and, and is that again you 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 store your your encrypted secret along like inside your declarative configuration right and without the decryption key it's useless and you put the decryption key on the system that actually uses that that uh, that configuration this also technically allows you to to to, to store your configuration uh effectively plain text anywhere right like, so if if your private right. git repo gets gets accessed and on on all of your configs are, are leaked you don't get hurt because you don't store any secrets in it or or in anything or that that's that a usable you've, secret you stored it but it's not it's not visible yeah from that perspective you, you you essentially do two fa like you 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 have the mm-hmm. the, 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 the static component but without the Without the other factor, the decryption key, it, it's useless. That that strikes me. Uh, we would we would do some configuration, or we, we kept talking to people, and nobody ever built it <laughs> uh, to do what uh, something using Lux, where you're encrypting the hard disk mm-hmm. for a Linux system, and you know the, the disks are encrypted until you enter a key, and so you know, literally the systems are useless without that key. Um, and then, so what you have to do is when the machine starts, you have to show up and say, all right, you're ready to boot. Yay. Here's the, the, dec- you know, here's the decryption key to handle that boot process. Um, which is similar to what you're saying. It's like, Hey, I've got a configuration file. I can't open the configuration file and start my app until I find the key that decrypts that file. Um, so Pat, the static, the data at rest, you know, the whole system is, is secure until you dynamically inject whatever the the, dec- the the start token is yep yeah uh, and it's also to to some degree uh protected against uh, infrastructure attacks like i mean you, you you have one thing that you need to protect and uh, or actually two things mm. you 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 have the 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 secret that that you have stored in your configuration and you have the decryption key if an attacker is unaware of 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 one of those two, then you you still have mitigated protection. So so for example, if your Kubernetes stores all of your secrets in ETD, and someone does a dump of ETD, um, then then on then it, it buys you the time of 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 saying okay. I, I realized that, that my, my config and my secret got leaked, but they only have one of the two components that, that are necessary to, to use it. You still want to do your rotation, but it goes from you need to rotate it now to you need to rotate it soon. 
It's interesting because it those are also secrets management techniques. I, I was very myopic when I thought about this as a topic that, that it was, you know, vault and the way people approach vault, but it's a general class of problems that, that have other solutions. Um, yeah. And I, and I do think the HSM role is potentially underplayed because what you just described could actually be, I'm building the configuration files for the systems that are going to run it. And I'm going to use my public key to encrypt the HSM so that it can only be decrypted on the machine that I'm sending it to. And you could build, you know, encrypted config files for every it's not that, that not that big of a burden to to do that, and then it can only be encrypted on the physical machine, um, or virtual, I guess, with the HSM pass through. But um, that you know, where you expect it to run, whether or not it's worth the overhead is a different question. And you still don't know to your point if it's been if the system's been compromised. You don't have a quick way to to say, oh, oops. I need to, you know, block access to the that information. Yeah. Uh, and side. you, uh, and and the key the the key component there, uh, part there is also that you still need to know that your system has been compromised. <laughs> That's true. The the that. That intelligence of determining that you that you have been actually considering the way we started this whole call with um, with assault of the week vulnerability of the week um, seems like the best strategy in in every case is just to assume uh, what your what your window is and uh, you know roll through um, you know. Is basically if you can assume that you've been attacked and roll through a change on a, on that se- on a weekly or monthly sequence. Uh, uh, these security topics make make my head explode because um, <laughs> it feels like we're we're so far away from good practice. Well, Klaus, thank you. I I, I enjoyed the conversation. I. Uh, nice to tap yes. into your experience on this. It's, it's yes, that was very nice, very good. Well, I, I, I do enjoy the topic, um, or, or more like I do enjoy ranting about the topic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just perhaps as a closing statement, like it, 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 it seems bleak, but but I, I think that there, there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train. <laughs> oh, the, the 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 it's not a train is an important. <laughs> oh dear, I I do actually think we're getting better at talking about these things, and and there's maybe more built-in capabilities. So those are good things. Well, we we can't fix it if we don't talk about it. Yeah, well, I mean, this this is one of the funny things about Kubernetes, right? There's you know, there's a ton of, of infrastructure built into Kubernetes by default, and secrets management is something to celebrate as being like, yeah, we have a way that you manage secrets. You know, I guess you can not use it, but it's there, just like they did SS, you know, SSH um, yeah. and and TLS by de- by default. I mean, I was in the OpenStack stuff, and we were like, oh, we didn't do TLS by default, and I'm like throwing my hands up in the air, um, and it was really hard to put in after the fact. Whereas in Kubernetes, they're like, you only do TLS. There is no insecure API. There's no insecure communication. I mean, it, 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 they used to allow passwords, but fortunately that got deprecated. Um, but yeah, the, I, I think that the, the biggest contribution of, of Kubernetes secrets is, is really not, not so much like the storing of it because the, again, there, there, there's been, uh, it, it's, it's not, it's not all green fields like the yeah it, it used to be stored in etd in plain text so it's like someone <laughs> on access to the control plane yeah, all the secrets were, were, were leaked but the biggest contribution of, of, of secrets in, in kubernetes is that it it enforces the logical separation of configs and secrets so so that that inf- that uh 
provides uh, a learning platform for developers to to get into good habits. Yeah. So so which is which is ultimately what I think is is the biggest contribution of Kubernetes in general is that it it makes you use good habits. If 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 you don't have good habits, Kubernetes will be painful for you. So so to to make it painless, to 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 be able to work well with Kubernetes, you have to pick up those good habits, uh, and that is, in my opinion, great. That is awesome. No tools tools that reinforce good behavior are important. Very yeah. important. Excellent, and that is a good stopping point. All right, everybody. Thanks. Right. Talk to you soon. Till next time. Bye. Wow, there's so much in the secrets management conversation about security and security practices and protecting yourself and your systems. Um, I can't. I, I just can't go into enough detail about how important these topics are. Um, and how much they fit into a broader security posture. So I hope you enjoyed this. If you want to hear more topics about security and um, secrets and how we manage systems, please join us. Let us know what you want to talk about. Uh, we review the agenda at the beginning of every discussion, and we have them every week. Uh, and I'm looking forward to you being part of it. Join us at the2030.cloud and see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.